what we noticed every day, the further we walked up, if you walk back on your tracks a few hours later, there's always Jaguar tracks sort of almost like they, like they're following you. But, and, uh, then they've also got other species. Like, I'm, I mean, I love the Dorado, but I, I'm almost, I'll venture as far to say that I'm, that I like the, the Paku the most. It's like a, what they call a freshwater permit where they look kind of like a piranha. They're just massive and black and they eat these fruit flies or you can catch them on, on like uh, hopper patterns on the surface. And yeah, very, very cool, cool fish and strong. One of the strongest freshwater fish that I know. That was Yaku Lucas taking us to one of the many crazy destinations he's fished around the planet. We are getting Yaku's top doable extreme trips list today on the Wet Fly Swig Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Check out our Ask a Pro segment, where you can ask a question uh, and get highlighted on an upcoming uh, short short snippet podcast. Uh, you can just head over to wetflyswing.com slash askapro and just submit your question. There's a little two... Uh, basically a two i think it's a two or three question little survey so that's the easy way to submit that and uh, and i'll get that question on the air and get you an answer in an upcoming segment before we get started let's hear from our sponsors trestle designs engineers and manufactures industry leading outdoor products and premium apparel from their patented game-changing telescopic fly rod carrier and their specialized waterproof cases and fly boxes to their magnetic nipper system that are revolutionizing how people snip their line. Please head over to wetflyswing.com slash trestle to get started today. That's wetflyswing.com slash trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E to support this podcast and an amazing product and brand today. The Fly Fishing Film Tour is back. Don't miss this year's 2022 F3T as it returns to theaters near you for another season on the water. Full of rod-bending action, unforgettable storytelling from coast-to-coast, swag, and more from local conservation partners. Please head over to wetflyswing.com F3T to find a show near you. That's wetflyswing.com F3T or flyfilmtour.com. Check it out right now. Yaku Lucas is back this time to take us around the world to hear some of the most prized locations that he's fished and some of the places that he thinks are definitely doable for all of us uh, today. Yaku has been to many of the exotic destinations and shares a few of these stories today. This one is another one that's too good to slow up. So without further ado, here is Yaku Lucas from Captain Jack Productions. How's it going, uh, Yaku? Hi there, Dave. Uh, all good. Uh, just got back from a fantastic trip and getting to do some real, real life work. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for making the time again to come on. We had you on the ep- on the show way back in episode sixty eight, which was almost I think we we're almost three years ago. So it's amazing to think it's been three years, but uh, it has. And we're gonna dig into um, we're gonna touch on a few things. I think that the striped marlin trip sounds interesting, and I'm just really curious. You know, in the last two and a half three years, you know, where you've been because you're kind of out there everywhere. And uh, so I got a few questions for you. Take us back first. Now between. 2019 March of 2019 when we did that episode and now um, what have you been up to so I mean I've basically uh, I mean obviously we've been through a pretty interesting time of our lives with the whole COVID thing and it's probably a discussion discussion that everybody talks about every single day of their lives but uh, I've still kind of been trying to slowly 
um, do as much as I can with regards to traveling and uh, whatever restrictions may come with, with may have come with it. Obviously, there's been a lot of trips that's kind of uh, been held up and rolled over, and now we're slowly starting to pick up with that again. So, still kind of working on that. And then I have been guiding a lot um, on my kind of re- let's say relatively new location that I've been sort of full time guiding on the Texas coast, and uh, then just kind of putting my head down and keeping working on different stuff, busy with the new movie on Jax uh, that should be available next year. And uh, man, busy building a place for my guests to stay in Port O'Connor and busy with a clothing brand called Fly Religion. And yeah, so so just keeping myself as busy as possible. That's awesome. Yeah. So you got all sorts of stuff going on. Where, you know, you're, you're kind of known as one of those people that are out there traveling since you've, you know, uh, are full, well, you moved to Texas, right? A few years back. Uh, are you still getting out? I mean, do you still travel just as much as you did, say, five, ten years ago? Is that still a big part of what you do? Yeah, I think last year was the least amount of traveling that I've done in a while. I think last year I ended up, we did the Yeti uh, a trip to the Seychelles in January, um, and then COVID happened, and then I just did uh, I did one trip to Mexico and a few sort of odd uh, trips. But this year, this year it started to pick up like normal I think I've done three or four hosted trips, one to the jungle in Brazil and in the Amazon and uh, one to Guanaja and uh, this one now to Mexico. Two, I've actually done a couple to Mexico. Um, so it's slowly starting to pick up again. And I think people are getting into that point where, you know, like it feels like there's been a time of our life taken away with uh, with all the things that's happened. And what I just try and preach to everybody now is, is that, just follow whatever regulations there are. Just kind of, if you need to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you, whatever you want to do and just kind of get on with life. Cause I mean, it, it, in the bigger picture, if you start looking at how the lifespan of a human, a year is a very long time to take right. out of your life. So, so you have to kind of make your decisions and get on with it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think everybody's feeling like it's just like, you know, regardless of everything, just it's time. Everybody wants to move on. I mean, I've been the same way. We've been, We've been kind of locked down, and I've been wanting to do these trips up to Canada, and and I think this year, yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna be breaking out of it as well. So this is uh, really exciting. Um, well, out of all those trips, so when you think back, you've got this Marlin trip, which we're, we're going to touch on. Any other trips? We talked about GTs a few years ago. What other trip or species really sticks out to you? Anything you know um, aside from the Marlin that is something you know the last few years that you've done that's been that pretty cool. Also, the very unique one I did before the Marlin one when we went to Brazil uh, in the Amazon was uh, uh, fishing for a species called the payara, which is a vampire fish, um, which is not – it's not unknown. It's a very kind of, I believe, like a well-known fish because of the big fangs, the, or, or a.k.a. the vampire fish with these giant teeth. And um, uh, some of my friends uh, at Untamed Angling found this river called the Shingu on the, in the Amazon um, – where you kind of stay next to this Kayapo um, village with the native people and you fish for these vampire fish. And it's, it's, it's like one of those places, like, you know, you go to, um, there's, I mean, there's various places in the world that you can, or, or various places in South America that you can find these vampire fish, but it's one thing when you can find like a high density or volume of them to actually be able to go fish there or take clients there and, and catch a vampire fish. Cause they really tricky to catch, but it, it was an absolute phenomenal trip, um, and uh, we managed to all get a really good vampire fish. The one thing that I kind of missed out on and I really wanted to do is, is that if you catch a vampire fish of around 20 pounds or a real, like, trophy, um, 
then you can take the tooth, one of the teeth out of the fish's mouth, the one of the big fangs, it, 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 it does no harm to the fish. They've got like teeth loaded up, ready to go. And then you go to the chief, the chief of the Kayapo. And then what he does is he does this every day, he kind of cuts you with those teeth so that you can become a warrior. Um, oh, wow. And he cuts it wherever, like usually on your arms or forearms and stuff. Which I wanted to do because it sounds super awesome, but unfortunately, I, my biggest one was sixteen and a half pounds. So we, we'll get there one day. Oh right, you didn't quite get there. Yeah, so <laughs> that's cool. So on the, so those vampire fish, uh, just uh, let's go on that just for a second here. Um, you know, what is that? So just the fishing for them is, is that something? It sounds like you're only getting a couple of shots maybe per day. Wait, on on our trip, uh, we had a, a unusually tougher week, I would say. Um, although, like I said, it's it's. That's the uniqueness of this place is that uh, that you can actually still manage to get one even though you've got tougher fishing conditions. Um, so we we were mainly fishing like heavier lines with big streamer patterns. I feel like you can't cast a fly big enough for those things. They just seem to devour anything, whether it's the same size as them or maybe even bigger. They'll just try and go for it. Um, and then um, so and then so we were fishing sinking lines quite a lot. But uh, the story happened so that the guys that went after us, the week after us, the water level started rising a little bit. And then the bait fish started moving up and uh, through the river. And they seemed to just turn the vampire fish on. And they were, the week after us, they actually caught like 150 or more vampire fish and a lot of them on popper. So on the surface, just smacking flies. They, they remind me a lot of tiger fish in Africa, just the way that they – they eat and the way that you hunt for them. And I mean, setting the hook on one of those is actually, I mean, it's such a quick, just, I don't know the speed that they hit the fly at, but it's incredible. And then once you get your hook set, because it feels like there's no way that you can really get the hook set in that bony mouth. um, They start jumping and going crazy. It's not the longest fight because I think they use so much energy um, jumping, but I mean, that, However long that is, it's a big adrenaline rush for sure. And then, I mean, those are the, like the target species, the, the main target species. But when you fish the Amazon, there's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, va- uh, wolffish, which I also wanted to catch, which we got. Uh, matrinchas, paku, all sorts of strange things, which is also something I love to do. Just getting all the variety. Yeah, the variety. And I was just thinking as you were talking, I was thinking about... You know, uh, some of the trips you've done, I mean, and I always, uh, you know, Jeff Courier, you know, I'm sure you, you know, he's <laughs> always comes to mind when you think about these trips, cause he's got these, he's got this goal of hitting all these different species. When you look back at what you've done and you've been all over, all over the world, you know, are there a, you know, a, a few, maybe, you know, five, 10, 15 fish or destinations. And I know I'm just thinking now you did something with, um, uh, who was it? You did a destination podcast, right? A while back. Who was that with? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did one with uh, with Jim at Yellow Dog uh, on the Waypoints podcast, and and it's funny when he he asked me before we did the podcast, he's can you round up ten of your favorite locations yeah. in the world? <laughs> there you go. And, and I thought like this would be easy, like I mean that's going to be. And then I sent him an email, and it had thirty locations on. I was like, oh, uh, Jim, I'm sorry, I don't know. Like they're all special. There's obviously some that I'd love to visit like frequently because they're just so awesome, but. Man, I, I really take every fishery into perspective on what it is, whether or not the fishing stuff or, or like the species target. For some reason, there's when like, and I know this is probably exactly the same for Jeff, especially when you haven't caught a specific species of fish. There's just that extra challenge and adrenaline. Um, I definitely, also with this Payara trip we did, once I got the Payara sort of done, it was amazing to still fish for them. But my next challenge was to try and get a wolf fish. 
um, which is this prehistoric looking fish that looks like a coelacanth. Um, and they're in these very unique ponds and stuff. And at one stage, we were actually swimming across this little, which we shouldn't have done because we, we, we so long, sto- long story short, we were looking at this rock. We were casting at the rock. We thought there would be a wolfish, nothing there. And uh, myself and Lucas, the guide, we, we asked the native guy, could we swim across and fish for that rock to the next rock? And he's like, I'm not going with you guys. There's no way. <laughs> so we were like, oh, well, anyway, like, like we do, we just went and swam across. And as soon as we got to the other rock, there, there actually two electric eels came up. And those things will jolt you with 600 volts and you are oh, wow. going to get knocked out. So, um, oh, wow. but, but that's kind of the stupidity on, the, on, on, the, on sort of the drive to try and get that next species and yep. it just happens with every, and it doesn't necessarily need to be the biggest species of fish for me. If it's a, if it's a, if whatever it is, I, I'll fish for it. So, so that's kind of the thing that drives me all, all the way. And, um, actually in Mexico last year, when I was lucky enough to be invited by a client, I'd never caught a Atlantic permit before. And as you, as you may, th- I mean, no permit are terrible things and um uh, i've managed to get some of the other species around the world and luckily last year in mexico we went there we probably hit the best fishing that you could ever have it's that trip that you wanted to be on like that one that you should have been on last week we ended up landing 52 permit between jeez between four anglers in a week's time so so yeah that that was that's very special standout trip and the, the best fish out of that whole trip that I actually remember the most was the it wasn't the the biggest one of the trip but it was one that really challenged me and I had to cast a bunch of times at it I had to change the fly a lot he actually gave me a few chances at changing flies so so yeah it's it's always just keeping that challenge going and uh, now the next challenge is to try and get the fourth species of permit which we are going to try and do end of february next year there you go there you go that's really cool and when you do these trips are these kind of i mean you've got you mentioned yeti and i mean this part of your your thing right you're uh, i don't know if you're sponsored but you have these companies that are helping to um get you over there how how do you do are you kind of working with yellow dog i'm I'm just kind of i'm not curious i'm curious how that all works because you're because obviously traveling around the world is not cheap right yeah, exactly. And and in all honesty, I would never have the finances to be able to do this, what I do unless. So basically how it all started off is just through meeting people at working at a fly shop, then guiding a bunch of people and building up the client base. And then I was fortunate enough to meet Jim a long time ago. And, uh, and I kept working as hard as possible and then was lucky enough to be um, invited by Jim to become an ambassador for, for Yellow Dog Fly Fishing. And it was a no-brainer because, like, now I can host trips. I've got the support of Yellow Dog, which is, I mean, I don't want it to sound like an advert, but if you go on a trip and you do it with a company like Yellow Dog, then, like, you're going to be prepared for it. Because when I do a hosted trip, it's like communication with the clients all, all the way. Most of the locations that, that I'm hosting is a, a trip that I've done before. So you know the travel, which is the most daunting part for everybody, what tackle to take with and how to travel there um so that's usually the questions and and if you do it with with people like that then the hosted trips are awesome to keep spend time with great clients and it's sometimes almost like guiding where you share those magic moments with clients getting into their dream fish so it's it's really good yeah that's awesome so well and i'm thinking let's just stay on that yellow dog track for a little bit so you mentioned i don't have the the episode in front of me but do you remember which 10 species you talked about um, so the, so it wasn't, uh, so it wasn't species specific. It was location and, Oh, it was location. Yeah. 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 So, um, 
I really try to do it in no particular order, but I would usually, if anybody asked me top five, I'd usually start off with Seychelles. It's, it's, it's hard to beat that place. It's a, it's a place that'll spoil you very easily. And then we, uh, we, we went on to Tanzania um, for Tigerfish and Bolivia for the Dorado. Um, and uh, I think I had Australia. Um, there was Kamchatka, uh, Mongolia, um, Gabon in Africa. Again, there's a lot of Africa stuff. I'm a little bit, because I'm from South Africa, there's a lot of... Oh, right, right, yeah. And she's, I mean, the, the list goes on. Yeah. We could put a link out. I'm just curious because, you know, we've got that, uh, and I'll put a link out to that episode so people can take a look. And I'm just curious to be building. You mentioned 30, or, or do you want to keep uh, adding a few maybe that you, uh, that are maybe, well, you got some stuff on your bucket list too, right? Do you, do you have that list and like you've already got like, okay, these are the next 20 trips I want to do in the, in the next few years? Yeah, I've, I, I have that bucket list. Um, that, I'll, I'll actually find it quickly on my, on my computer because I've got it pretty close to me. And, and, uh, you know, the thing is, it, it always grows. Like it's, it's, it just never stops. Yeah, you're never going to complete it, right? You're never going to complete it. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's something. But, you know, it, that's the other thing is it's always good to keep that dream, dream alive and keep with that next and next and just keep sort of, sort of at it um, to just make sure that you can. And, and that's what, like, again, that keeps the, the blood pumping and wanting to see something new. That's kind of where it's, where I really, where, where at its best. Um, so for my top 10 locations, uh, what I had was Seychelles, uh, obviously for, for all various different reasons, the different species and GTs in Tanzania for the tigerfish, Bolivia for Dorado, Kamchatka, that insane trout fishery, Mongolia for Timon, Australia for everything, Bermit, blue, blue bastards. Um, I like Mexico too a lot because there's also actually, like I said, with this thing we did with the Marlin and then you also got the permit and tarpon and there's a lot of cool places that you can visit there. And it's so close, especially from a U U.S. perspective to travel there. Um, I, I had Texas on my on my list because now it's kind of my home waters. So I really, uh, really have become very passionate about the fishery and there's very cool stuff, more, more than what people know. Um, and then I had Costa Rica there because I've done quite a few trips to Costa Rica there's a, there's specific places where it's 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 I wouldn't say impossible to find a higher density of tarpon, but they've got some really special tarpon fisheries in Costa Rica. And then um, at number ten, I had Brazil again, no specific order, just because it's the Amazon and there's all the different species and all the stuff. Um, so so it's uh, it's 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 uh, it's the Amazon. I mean, as everybody grows up, the Amazon. When you see something on the TV, I'm sure everybody that loves fishing, the first thought is, how can I go fish a cool place like that in the jungle exactly. and everything? Um, the pl other places that I kind of had on the that that wasn't on the top ten list, but I still love them was Cuba, Norway, the Bahamas, Louisiana, Gabon, Belize, Lesotho is this cool little place that's a little country in South Africa. And then um, Florida is, 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 will still be great, just be, particularly because of the way that you also fish for top and um, we have that where you can actually sight fish them in shallower water. Um, Montana, I still think, is great from a beauty perspective, from how beautiful it is. And also, I mean, it's still at the end of the day, incredible trout fishing. And then I've got Sudan, which is something I did quite a while back with my friend Oliver White and the guys from African Waters. And it is, it is really cool. It's, 
it's it's like you're fishing next to a desert and then you fish this beautiful tropic ocean and I don't think there's a better place in the world to catch trigger fish. Um, it's going to be hard to beat that place. It's it's insane trigger fishing. Um, uh, the other places that I've got on my bucket list that I really want to get to, and some of them actually might be strange to some people because it's so close to, is the one is Alaska. Um, I've never fished Alaska. I've never fished Canada. Um, and then there's another place in the jungle called Kenjam um, that's pretty close to Shingu, but you're just fishing a little bit of a different watershed. Um, and it's, it's, it's very cool because it's a smaller little river, more sight fishing. You've got all the different species too. Um, and you're fishing with smaller rods, actually. You're fishing like six, seven weight rods. Um, it came with like chick nymphing for little paku and all the different species. I think, I think actually Jeff's been there and I'm sure that he had an absolute ball at that place. Um, right. and then New Zealand is also very high up there. And it's strange because, so for me, I am not particularly like directly going to New Zealand for the trout. Like I think my first perspective or the direction that I want to go when I go to New Zealand would be go, going to the flats where the guys are catching um, those big yellowtail on the flats. Um, I think, I'm not sure what they're called in the, their family, their species of the amberjack. So we call them yellowtail in South Africa too. I think they call them kingfish in New Zealand. Um, uh so the next one is also Patagonia and Chile. Um, would love to go and do some trout fishing there. There's a place called Shingu in the Central African Republic where some of my friends have discovered this, um, this amazing uh, fishery or river where you can actively target Goliath tigerfish on fly, which, was, which a few years back seemed impossible. Like the, 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 the type of water that they lived in um, didn't seem possible on a fly, but these guys – um, from Goliath expeditions, I've actually found this place. So hopefully we can get there one day. Um, and then Papua New Guinea, Nicaragua, Iceland, Greenland. I mean, I can keep going on, but yeah, that's kind yeah. of the ones that's <laughs> off the top of that's my awesome. head. Yeah. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. With more than 40 years of experience in coffee, the Angler's Coffee Team roasts a full range of coffees with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. Responsibly sourced from farms using sustainable growing practices, you can rest easy knowing you are doing your part. Roasted and shipped within 48 hours to assure freshness. For me, it's all about that freshness and taste. When I crack open a bag of Angler's in the morning, I feel good because I know it not only tastes amazing, but... I'm supporting great movements along the way. With a coffee blend for every taste, a dry dropper on the go tea bag option, and a roast sampler, you know Joe at Anglers is serving your needs. It's time to step up to better coffee and more impact for the fish species and causes that we love. Just visit wetflyswing.com slash anglers to grab your bag of greatness today. That's wetflyswing.com slash anglers, A-N-G-L-E-R-S to make a change and get a sweet taste today. Okay, now back to the show. This is good. This gives us the list, so we got a bunch on there. And, and out of all those, I mean, from the U.S.-based, I mean, there's a few in the U.S. And, um, I, you know, Mexico kind of pops out to me because, yeah, it seems like it's, you know, it is. It's one of those places that's a little easier to get. What would be, if you're thinking Mexico, would be the, the top species that you'd be thinking about? Yeah, I think the top one that always pops up is permit fishing just because they got such an incredible permit fishery. 
um, in that Ascension Bay area. I'm also actually doing a trip in April next year to a place called Ishalak X Flats, which is a little bit closer to Belize, I believe. And usually from it, it's, it's weird from, I, I love fishing all these different locations, but from a geographical point, when I start having to figure out if it's North or South or this, well, I'm terrible at it. But, uh, but this is going to be a super cool trip. Um, it's a very young uh, guy, Jess, that's started, well, that's built up a little operation there and he's been doing phenomenal and really good permit fishing. I think they do get some baby tarpon and some bonefish and all the other species, but definitely a phenomenal permit fishery. So, um, so definitely. And, and having traveled now a couple of times to Mexico, it's also just, I mean, from, from the U S it's just such a quick trip. So easy. Yeah. So easy and a little, not quite as much money as far as airfare. And it's, that's always one of the worry you think about the, um, Mexico and, and issues with safety, but I mean, that's just making sure you got things lined out and you're not going to a crazy place is that that's not really an issue, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I now traveling to Mexico, I think they're trying to make it easier for people to travel there because firstly, you do not need a COVID uh, test before the oh, trip. Wow. With most places, you need a negative test. So they get you in there. You do a rapid test leaving there, but they've made it super easy at the airports. You go for a test, 45 minutes, um, and you get the results. We actually got a little bit quicker than what they said, but um, yeah, and, and uh, the people you can see the people are happy to see uh, just people traveling there, and it's definitely getting very busy. And like you said, I think the one thing that's very attractive about it is just how affordable it is when you kind of compare it to all these like very exotic, luxurious locations. Yeah, that's right. And how do you? I'm just curious, you know, out of all these, you know, twenty or thirty places that are coming up, um, you know, in a perfect world, you could hit all of them, you know, I don't know how many you would hit a year, but how do you choose which ones, you know, the next few on the list, like this next year, is that just kind of, however it comes together? Or are you really planning this? Like, these are the five I want to hit. I know Courier's kind of like that, right? He's got this list and he's kind of checking it off. Yeah. So, so what I will do sometimes is, is if I, if it's definitely a location that I want to go and visit, I'll try and sp I'll, I'll have a chat with Jim and then start putting a hosted trip together um, for those locations, which gotcha. helps me get there and 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 I can take some clients with me. Um, or sometimes what I do is a lot of times if I've done a location like Bolivia um, or the Seychelles, it's kind of become, almost become like an annual trip uh, because there's so many people that want to go see it. Um, so those are always kind of maybe every year. I So, so the Seychelles, I'm almost doing a, a hosted trip there every year. Oh, and wow. Bolivia, I would say almost like by every second year, I would do a, a trip there. Um, they, but yeah, I, I, I usually try and do something new every year. And next year, I've got a couple new ones. But uh, mostly, I would say the majority of them is stuff that I've done before. And now I, I still try and travel as much as possible. But the one thing that I've been, I wouldn't, I almost don't want to say like I've been fortunate with it, but with the guiding um, that I've got on the on the coast is it, it's picked up a lot. I think people have realized that oh. they've got something closer to them that they can also access. And you know, people want to want to get out there, um, and it's just been hard for them to travel. So my guiding stuff has been phenomenal. They've been very busy, and the been lucky with the fishing has been fantastic. Um, so yeah, it's been good. Wow. So this is the um, are you talking kind of uh, redfish and all that stuff? Yeah, uh, the, I would say our bread and, bread and butter is the classic Texas red fishing where you're fishing shallow water um, for the tailing redfish. And, and that's kind of our main main target. But then there's some special things too. 
Um, I, I spend a lot of time chasing jacks. Um, that reminds me a lot of GTs and the Seychelles, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would will get pretty excited when they see the movie that we're busy with. We've got some pretty incredible jack footage. Um, and then we're going to kind of in the movie compare the two, the two fish, not like show showcase the GTs and the reason why everybody gets excited about it. But now they've got this fish on their doorstep. That's the same attitude, same eat, same, same everything. They might not get over a hundred pounds, but they still pull as hard as any GT in the world. Um, so, so that, that's something I target a lot. And I, I always call them my day savers. Cause I've, if I can get my client into a Jack in the morning, I know he's pretty tired so we can just move on and, and have a good day. And then there's, I mean, there's, there's other species. There's the big black drum. We do also get big bull, bull, bull reds and tarpon. So it's there. I wouldn't say like all the other stuff is as consistent as the classic, the, the classic Texas red fishing, but there's some good stuff. There you go. So you got a bunch down there and yeah, I was just kind of thinking back to, uh, I think it was, it was episode 204. We had uh, Jake Jordan on, was talked about some of the billfish stuff he does. And um, he's definitely, he's one of the guys, right? He's the man for sure. He's, I feel like Jake is like one of the, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I, I'll see him as a pioneer of bill fishing on a fly rod. I mean, or to me, he is definitely just with the, how technically, like how he's approached the whole thing. It's, it's incredible to just, I've spoken to him a couple of times before and the wealth of knowledge and how he, how he targets bullfish is, it, there's a lot to learn from him for sure. And I love that we're all over the place on this one because this is, uh, I think we're, we're covering everything. So on the, you know, Yako, on the, on the next one, if we get you on, we'll, we'll go, we'll drop back down more specifically, but we're kind of covering everything. This is cool. Um, so let's, let's dig into that just for a second on the striped marlin because um, Jake talked about, you know, kind of chumming up the fish and then casting to them when they come in. But you had an experience on a recent trip where you actually weren't chumming them, right? You were just casting directly the, these fish. Can you speak to that a little bit, what, what that was all about? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely mind-blowing. And, and like I sp- said before, like I, I needed to write, remind myself every day what we're actually doing, um, which seemed so unbelievable. Um, I mean, the, the previous experience I also had with bullfish and, the, and the, the majority of the way that you target a bullfish on a fly rod is where you have teasers out. You kind of get them out on the tees and then you've maybe got a bait and switch where you've got like a like a cut bait that you've got on a line, which you're just kind of sort of casting and really firing the bullfish up. But in this case, we were basically running around, you finding, um, and the best of it, all of it was my one of my favorite birds. If we could find a frigate bird, there's a very, very likely chance of finding these bullfish feeding on bait balls. And what we would do is we just like look in the distance and just sort of see what we can see with regards to frigate birds and sometimes even seals or, or how they just corral the bait fish together. And then we just run over there and uh, basically run over, stop the boat and cast over these bait balls. And it, it is absolutely phenomenal because you would maybe see like four or five striped marlin come up. But if you look down in the water, there's maybe another hundred of them down there just kind of making, just corralling these bait fish together. And it's, it's almost like they've got this whole system where two would come up, slash, eat, go down, and just keep doing it like that. And the way they were chasing the flies was, I mean, it's its like any GT fishing or anywhere. Just, they just speed up and smack the fly, and then it's all chaos. So you can imagine hooking up to a, to a marlin on a fly, trying to set the hook. This thing takes off. Um, I've just put up one or two little videos that we took where we absolutely get manhandled by, by marlin. We just fly lines broken and leaders oh, really? and yeah it, it it's absolute chaos but we we managed to land over 30 30 striped marlin on fly 
in this in four days between a few anglers. So I mean that huh. itself just is and and I've never been. And how big are these fish? The I would say you you actually get very excited when you hook one under a hundred pounds because then you know you're not you're not going to kill yourself. So so I would say I mean we saw maybe a couple that was like even in the forty pound range, but the majority of the ones that we landed was sort of in the eighty to two hundred pound range. Um, if, if you can, um, if the marlin stays up, it's kind of a blessing because then they jump a lot and you keep them on the surface and land them. But we definitely have a, had a couple of occasions where we caught what, what I always call them devil fish. They like, same like a milkfish when they start sounding, there's almost no way to move them up. So the, the, the boat, the captain of the boat and the guide sort of comes big into play there. We start circling around with the boat and trying to like force them to come up. Um, so it's a, it's a very cool. And the guys that, that have been doing that show there. Um, or the guys that setting up that oper- that set up that operation there, the guys from Los Locos, um, and I've got other friends that fished there before, but they've they've really set up a beautiful, like a great operation, and you kind of go and do like this crazy bull fishing, and you get back to the this little town, and you go and eat perf- like the best Mexican food, and have a good <laughs> nice. time. So it's a it's an epic trip, and again, super yeah. super easy to get there, and very affordable for bull fishing. Usually, usually bull fishing. I'd have to be completely transparent. Bullfishing in general, if you want to catch one on a fly, is going to be an expensive, it's a big, very expensive program with the big boats you have to take out and the big crew and stuff. But uh, this was very, very affordable and great people and epic time. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool to hear. And, and the video, so you have a channel, right? So this is still like uh, Captain Jack Productions on, on YouTube? Um, I actually just put them up on Instagram. I'll probably load some of them up on YouTube and Venmo. Uh, um, vimeo uh the channels that i have but uh, i just kind of put it out on 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 instagram because you know like social media always we we just show everybody the glory shots of the successful trip but you don't see the whipping that that happens 70 percent <laughs> of the time it's a failure so it was not it was actually actually great to see the interaction of people just seeing those videos and going okay well this happens to everybody <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Is that, yeah. No, and this is like, are you doing like on reels, doing some longer videos, putting stuff up there? Yeah, yeah. I usually put the reels. For some reason, it reaches a few more people than with just a normal one. So it just seemed to have reached a few more people. And it's not. It's it's also funny, like like to see people commenting on just some ideas of of what we could have maybe done better. And it's always that's the beautiful thing about fly fishing that learn learn a few things. And like I said, there was a there's a few people that commented that we needed to use a stripping basket and and all this advice. And I said to them, guys, this is this is great advice, but we <laughs> we, we tried a lot of things. And the the fact, like this last video that I posted, was basically a, the, the guy that was with me, John Snipes, is probably one of the best fly fishermen I've ever been with on a boat. And he he had already at that stage landed nine marlin on that specific fly line. And what happened is, is he got to eat first cast of the morning, set the hook beautifully. And then this thing ran off and he felt it bunch up in his hand and he just pinched it and snapped it. And uh, a lot of people are commenting about how we should have kept the hands wide and everything, but the, the line is basically just worn out. I mean, it's just, right. been, I could see that line was just, like I said, I sometimes call fly line nuclear spaghetti of just how it just pops around when you, when you hook up to a big fish. And that's basically what happened. It just did its own thing and broke it and just you have to tie back up and get ready. That's nuts. Uh, on your videos, I'm curious, do you have anything out there that maybe has gone kind of viral or something that you that comes to mind that really, you know, went a lot bigger than other stuff you've done? Um, 
No, the original Gangsters of the Flathead one was probably one of the craziest ones that we just went viral. And, and it was, uh, like I said, with my very unprofessional editing skills and videoing skills, it, it people seem to enjoy the rawness of it. That's why, like, I've kind of gotten into that same direction with a lot of stuff. Um, one one project that I was really happy with that we did uh, a few, a couple, I wouldn't say recently, but a couple years back was the, um, was the one in Australia called the Glorious Bastards, where... Um, we did this amazing trip to the Vessel Islands um, with a good friend of mine, Josh, uh, and and it was just a great experience. And we just caught all these different new species that we caught two different kinds of permit, uh, a blocky and an anak permit. And then we fished for this very iconic Australian fish called the blue bastard, which is, is an amazing fish to fish for. I, I really enjoyed that pro- project and it, it, it came out a little bit. Usually I never really had a good storyboard. And this one molded a little bit better into like a, some sort of storyline with a lot of fish porn to go with it. Um, and and this Jack this Jack movie that we're busy with now is definitely also going to have a little bit more of a storyline just to just to kind of tell people the story about Jackson and and, uh, and and all that that stuff. And but there'll still be enough to get everybody excited about going fishing for Jack. So they, we've got some incredible eats and. And all that stuff, but the, honestly, like the last couple of videos that I've put on, um, it, again, like I said, the funny thing is, it's it's been about the the, the fishing fails, where um, like we're casting a tailing redfish, and the angler does everything right, and he hooks up, and it comes off, and and for some reason, one redfish video I did went completely viral because I think people associated with it so much better than than the actual success story. Exactly. Instead of seeing the the fish, you know, the whole the uh, whatever we call that shot holding the fish up, you're you're showing the cool stuff where it didn't go quite right, and and it's kind of the you're you're connecting people to it, right? Yeah, and and it's it's I think it's probably important for us to definitely make sure, especially new people coming into the game, just to just to because I think if they get bombarded with success stories all the time, which I mean I'm definitely guilty of it. I'm not going to proclaim that I'm not, but. You know the grip and grin shots beautiful, but at the at the at, a lot of people need to know that there's a lot of failure involved with that. And even with a lot of the exploratory trips we did, like the one we did in Siberia um, a few years back that we were lucky enough to go to, we went to rivers there that I mean I can't even imagine that anybody's ever fished it and found no fish. Like, and then we would go to this one place and and suddenly we found a whole heap of fish, but there was a lot of trial and error on, on that particular trip, which you can almost not imagine fishing a place like that and not finding fish, but it's just part of it. Yeah, no. And, and are you, I'm curious, you know, with, uh, we mentioned Jeff Courier and I'll put a link out to that episode. Do you have, uh, you know, I mean, a, a list, are you trying to, you know, I, I know Jeff's got this thing going where he's trying to, you know, I'm not sure what, how many species he's at, but are you doing the same thing where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to check off 300 species before I head out of here? Jeff's very good with uh, with keeping up to date with his uh, with his list. I I don't. I've got a specific species in mind, and I try and tick it off, and I kind of just put it in like just it just it just it's in the memory bank. And I'm very like I feel very privileged and happy that I've managed to accomplish the goal. Um, I I actually looking back, I wish I kind of started keeping a little bit more of a diary and moving forward. I would I would honestly love for Jeff to write the book one day, just because of his. He's, I mean, he's somebody for a lot of people to look up to, and and I'm definitely look up to him as a mentor, just with all the stuff that he's accomplished. And you, sometimes you, I think to myself, man, I'm I'm lucky I've caught this fish, and maybe maybe Jeff haven't and hasn't caught it yet. And then you look at his like what he's accomplished, you're like, oh yeah, he's definitely got it. He got it about ten years ago. So, 
So it, it's uh, and the thing with with Jeff that's also fantastic, and a lot of people that I look up to is just, most of those guys did that stuff pre-social media, and it, and they 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 never really had any bragging bragging about anything they just did the thing and got on with it um and just through hard work and just kept on going with it they just accomplished all those goals and it's 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 great like uh, I'd, I'd be honored to be like any of those people yeah totally what is the um you know we're still jumping around here and this is totally cool i'm uh the costa rica what what was the the trip you the last costa rica trip you did what were you uh what was that what were you chasing there so the the original one that we went for, uh, I mean, the the main goal that of all the trips I've done to Costa Rica has been fishing for big tarpon, um, and uh, it actually started off the first time I went there. Uh, a, a friend of mine, Grant Wiswell, was working on a movie called Atlanticus, um, which is this basically the what we were doing is we were chasing tarpon all over the world um, at the different locations you can find them. We went to Gabon in Africa. Um, uh, we managed to accomplish, we, again, that trip, we struggled for the majority of the time. It was only the last day that we managed to find a couple of top and to get on camera. Cause sometimes that, that's, I mean, that adds a little bit of extra pressure when you've got the goal of trying to film something too. Um, but we managed to get that done. And then I, I, the first place I fished there was, um, it's on a river called the sex Sola. It's on the border of Panama and Costa Rica, um, where, the place is called Tarpenville, so you know it's definitely a place where you find big tarpon, and it's a it's a unique. I wouldn't say that it's uh, it's 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 when you fish Flor a place like Florida, it's very intense when you see like a string of fish or like a daisy chain fish in front of you, where you cast towards them and kind of feed them that way. This is you've got rolling tarpon moving everywhere, and you're fishing intermediate or sinking lines, and you're just slowly kind of moving the fly through the water column, and then you get to eat. But it's it's for me. I love it. It's the unique sense of you. You sometimes it just feels like it ticks the line, and suddenly this hundred and plus pound top and jumps out of the water. It's it's and and like I said, the, I, I fished there, and then I fished a place called the Rio Colorado, and another place called the Jungle Top and Reserve, and all like their own unique elements. Just uh, like the Jungle Top and Reserve is a place where you're fishing for top and almost 120 miles from the ocean. They weigh up river and you fish for wow. this in almost like these little trout pockets where there'll be an 80 or a hundred pound top and sitting just like si sipping. It's, it's crazy <laughs> when you hook up. Just sipping bugs and stuff like that. Uh, the smaller ones would, but the, there's these, these bait fish that also get traps trapped up oh, into right. these eddies. But it, you know, top and sometimes just seem so calculated when they feed, they just basically swim up and just scoop up the bait fish. Like it's like, it's the easiest thing in the world. Um, so it, it kind of gets, catch, catches a lot of people off guard the first time they fish there because they see a top and roll, but they can't really judge the size of it until they set the hook on it and it starts jumping around. Then it, uh, then it, then it goes wild. But, um, that, the, that friend of mine, Grant with that Atlanticus movie, if anybody has a chance to watch that, that's pretty incredible just with the journey of top and, and the different places that you can target them. But again, Costa Rica is just a quick hop over. Um, I think it's like usually about two flights. I fly from Austin to Atlanta, Atlanta to um, San Jose, I think is the main town you fly into, and then you're pretty much almost there. So super easy to travel, pretty inexpensive, great trip to do. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Togan's Fly Shop, providing superior quality products at an affordable price, an amazing resource for fly tying materials, tools, and fly fishing accessories. 
Tokens has you covered when looking for unique in-house products, but also supports and supplies materials and tools from other leading fly brands you know and trust. Tokens is now offering their mystery fly tying box where they simplify the process for you in choosing materials. You're only one click away from these hand-picked subscription tying boxes that are packed with value at almost half the cost. And I recently made a order through Tokens and the experience was perfect. After a uh, recent trip uh, nipping for trout, I had to replace my tungsten beads and some jig hooks and a few other items. The products arrived in a couple of days from Tokens with a nice little card, a bonus value, and a welcome note from the Tokens family. Since 2005, Tokens has been over-delivering on price and customer service, so it's time to discover for yourself what the buzz is all about. Head over to wetflyswing.com Tokens and take a look at their diverse selection of products today. That's wetflyswing.com slash T-O-G-E-N-S. Tokens. Okay, now back to the show. Yeah, no, and, and tarpon is definitely, uh, and obviously that's a, uh, trying to think of the last tarpon episode we did. I think Bruce uh, Chard is, was on and he he talked about those giant tarpon or whatever. But um, uh, what about, um, I'm curious, on uh, Bolivia, you mentioned Bolivia. Was that uh, Dorado, Golden Dorado? That's fishing for the golden dorado, um, super mean fish. Again, I usually try. I, a lot of people would uh, sort of almost uh, measure them up to tiger fish. There's just this thing where, like the one guy say, yeah, the dorado is much better and the tiger fish much better. I love both of them. The cool thing in Bolivia is you can actually um, like sight fish for these fish in very small little pieces of river, and they like almost you're fishing like a little spring creek for potentially a fifteen or twenty pound dorado which is something that you don't, you can't really do with tiger fish. So, and then you've got this the jungle backdrop. And I remember the first time we went there, we camped quite far up river. And what we noticed every day, the further we walked up, if you walk back on your tracks a few hours later, there's always Jaguar tracks sort of almost like, oh, they, wow. like they're following you. But um, so that, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just amazing. And you hear all the parrots and the monkeys and the wildlife. And uh, then they've also got other species. Like, um, I mean, I love the Dorado, but I, I'm almost, I'll venture as far to say that, I'm, that I like the, the Paku the most. It's like a, what they call a freshwater permit where they look kind of like a piranha. They're just massive and black and they eat these fruit flies or you can catch them on, on like uh, hopper patterns on the surface. And yeah, very, very cool, cool fish and strong. One of the strongest freshwater fish that I know. Right on. Uh, and I'm still just kind of going down through this list. A lot of these things, with some of these, we've had episodes on. Uh, we've, you know, Australia. We've kind of tried to cover a lot of, the, you know, some of these areas. Um, one of them, Cuba. Uh, we haven't really done. How, how's that? Is that is Cuba getting to a point now where that's um, more realistic? I think is, is Jim one of the is Yellow Dog one of the places that actually does trips there? Yeah, uh, Yellow Dog is definitely one of or the only um, company that I know that uh, legitimately gets people into uh, Cuba and, and I'm happy to be corrected on it, but they definitely have done their, their hard yards with regards to getting um, uh, people from America in there. And uh, the fishing, I mean, it's definitely, I feel like what a lot of my clients have mentioned that's fishing in the U S a lot in Florida is like taking a step back just purely because, or, or like a, going a few years back um, because of just how little people, how few people fish there, how little pressure it gets, the fish are happy. They feed. They feed pretty hard. The, the top and there, when you cast a fly at it, they're pretty aggressive and they eat it as hard as as you can imagine. And then you've got an incredible permit fishery. 
um, lots of bonefish, snook, the whole lot. Um, but definitely the places that I've gone to, the tarpon fishing has been really incredible. Permit is still kind of permit, but you, I feel like they they eat a little bit more regularly there. And you can at some of the places in Cuba, you can also find them riding on stingrays. Like um, I don't think they do it in a lot of places. I know they do it in the Bahamas and stuff, but they definitely eat a little bit more aggressively when they're sitting on a stingray. Um, and just if you, I don't think you can go into Havana yet. I think they had Havana a little bit closed down during this COVID time, but that also adds a great part of the trip. And the Cuban people are just awesome and friendly and festive. And, and you can go to the little different places in Havana and Hemingway's bar. And um, right. it's a very cool place. I've lost a few clients there, which I've managed to get back, but <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a good place. There you go. There you go. And uh, this is pretty good. I'm curious, you know, because it's uh, you got the fish species and all that stuff, and then you got the travel in, in the area. What, what for you is it? Is it um, kind of an equal part what you love most about all this stuff when you go to a new place? Is it kind of just everything, or do you really love one part of it more? I think it's definitely become more of a whole trip for me. I, I would say a few years back, it was like fishing and nothing else. But now I've, I've kind of started to appreciate the whole element of it, especially having fished more and know that. It, it, the fishing is something that you can't control. So if it's tough, you need to start enjoying everything about the trip or else it's going to be a horrible time. So, Joe, and like this last trip we did, um, we did to the, to the Amazon and Shingu. And, um, it, it was just nice to spend a little bit of time with the, with like the native people where you just kind of like look at our lives, the way we run it now, like the, the way we live, live our life seems so complicated. We, we start buying more stuff. We start right. doing more stuff, and we just keep compl complicating our lives. And those people, they've got those people have nothing, and they're just happy. And they, they, they. I mean, just seeing the little kids. I mean, there was kids. I don't know how old they were, but they seemed like, I mean, geez, they seemed really young, and they were swimming in the river, like great at swimming, great at just like you know surviving, just surviving in 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 the world. Where I think if you put a lot of people in a situation like that, like that's as comfortable as we are they would find it hard to live in that kind of environment i did an episode with a good friend of mine greg uh and we talked about ecuador and he's been living in ecuador for 10 years now moved you know he just moved down there and he just loves it right and it's totally he's living in a village and you know again we don't realize it because we're in our own little bubble but yeah you don't have to have all this stuff right you could just go down and be happy living in a jungle somewhere and you see it when you see these local people you see a lot of happy people down around the world yeah, I mean, I, if you look at like I've, um, you know, again, a little bit with the social media stuff, you see all these things and I, I, I don't do any kind of hunting, but I, I know a lot of friends that do and, you know, like you try and see these people that think they're really badass. And then I, the, the, the village um, of the, at the Kayapo, the, the chief of the village, the one evening came and sat with us and he explained to us like how he would approach hunting a jaguar with a bow and arrow and, or Jeez. like monkeys or all that kind of stuff. And, you know, like wow. – that that if that guy i mean he it's it's incredible like how much they know and in tune with nature i think if you could say every any to anybody now here's a bow and arrow go and hunt a jaguar i think uh, you'll find zero people doing that no yeah nobody's <laughs> gonna do it <laughs> I, I wouldn't even do it yeah, I, would, I wouldn't even do it with a gun but i mean it's like damn you don't want to miss that yeah i know with my <laughs> with my level of bow hunting i'm sure i'll shoot myself in the foot before i shoot any kind of animal and then i'll just exactly injure myself for the for the animal to come and hunt me <laughs> right do you do some do you do some hunting 
Um, unfortunately, I've never really gotten into it. That the fishing and the guiding and everything has taken up so much time, and I've tried to stay focused on that. But I'm sure it, it seems great. Like I, um, I, I've got a lot of friends that do it, and uh, and and I think it looks it, it looks pretty awesome. But just never dedicated any time to it. Yeah, no, totally. No, we we have about. I have a pretty good feel for listeners in this show and about, you know, half of the people that listen are, are hunters, you know, in some form or fashion, you know, so it's, uh, it, I always love digging into that a little bit. Um, this is just one subject. I mean, I'll quickly run over it, but that's, it's an interesting discussion I had with somebody recently on social media, trying to kind of explain what we do, because I, I, I posted a video about uh, one of the bigger rapaima I caught on a recent trip. And somebody just laid into me about how we were abusing the animals and, you know, like oh, really right. like right. getting into it about like all the different things. And I try to explain to them, this is with hunting and fishing that I'm, I'm looking at it from a fishing perspective. There's so many locations that we've started operating at where firstly, if we weren't fishing there and looking after the fishery, it'll get commercially fished out. People go in there, rape the fishery and just take everything they can and leave. And secondly, like a lot of places we've set up a program where the the, the the local and native people can benefit from the clients coming in and fishing. So like in the Seychelles, we've, the guys actually um, managed to set up where they can, they can uh, almost estimate the value of a, a GT being alive versus a GT being dead. Oh, wow. And a GT being alive is a lot more valuable than one just being killed and taken away. And the same goes for hunting. People don't understand like big game hunting, I'm not a like I, I, it, it's different strokes for different folks, but those people paying that money to do those hunts are actually saving that species from extinction. So, so it's yeah, I mean, it's difficult to explain it to people, but it's the reality. Yeah, no, it is. It's it's the people that love the sport the most. You know, the people that protect it. Obviously, that's why you have Trout Unlimited and all these other groups. And most of the you know fishermen are are kind of leading the way with some of those places. Um, for sure. That's a cool point. Let, let's uh, let's take it out of here, uh, Yaku, with a couple. You mentioned, well, and I think Norway. So Norway's still on your bucket list, right? You haven't been there yet? No. So actually, sorry, Norway was on my list of places I love. It just, uh, I don't think it was, for some reason, it just got packed in so many. But Nor Norway, I guided for uh, five years. Um, oh, wow. And it's just, it's just an absolute beautiful country. Um, you're doing, again, something that I don't do very often, but which I did at one stage quite a bit of is uh, swinging flies for big Atlantic salmon. Um, it's a, I would say it's a lot more of a gentleman's game compared to anything else that I do. Just, you actually dress pretty nicely and you, you kind of just quietly, slowly fishing for these big fish and just have beautiful scenery, but it's a very cool, cool place. Uh, beautiful. Norwegian people are great. Um, so that's been always a, a very, I, I'd love to get back there. I always speak to my friends quite a bit when there, but uh, it's, no, I, I don't know if Nor Norway in the last couple of years, since COVID, how, what their regulations were, but I know they were pretty stringent at one stage. So I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. And, and then Kamchatka, were you up there, you're fishing for rainbows? Is that is that what you're going for there? Yeah. And all sorts of other species, which was, was stuff that I actually didn't, wasn't like, uh, imagine that I would catch there. Uh, and, and like a, there's a, there's a, a salmon called a cherry salmon, which is, I think it's like a combination of, a uh, a pink and a chum salmon. I, I believe I could be corrected, but the fact that you're fishing for rainbow trout legitimately with dry flies where they actively chasing mouse mice and eating <laughs> them. We, we had on the trip that I did, um, we, we caught, I think it was a total of in two weeks, we caught three trout, which was a little bit badly hooked. So we kept them and I, in all of them, 
there were everything from two to eight m- mouse or mice in their stomach. So, no way. So it's, it's unbelievable. And the funny thing is, is during the course of a day when you're fishing, you never really – I think in the two weeks, I only saw a, a, a mouse cross the river once. So you kind of like wonder how, how does this all go down because they're obviously feeding on them a lot and quite aggressively. So – um, but the, the, it's a, it's a cool wilderness trip. I actually had a, quite a few father, father and son, uh, gr- um, sort of people, uh, groups with me, which was, which was nice to see the father and son kind of share that, that wild environment. And we did one camping one and then one we did in the cabin. So great, uh, insane fishery. Yeah, that's, that's a definitely a huge bucket list. And in fact, we, I was talking to some of our listeners, we did a little survey and, and definitely that place. Kamchatka, it comes up all the time. It's such a, and it's not easy to get there, right? I think, I think there it's almost, it was that like a research thing where you had to order, does yellow dog actually do trips there? So it is a combination. So I believe the fly shop is actually the guys that sort of run the operation. And then there's a few outfitters that book trips uh, there, which yellow dog is one. Um, and, but they've run a spectacular uh, destination. The, the way that they've got that outfit going is great. And, um, and like I said, pretty well, some of the travel you can actually, depending on what time of the season you go, um, I believe it's the majority of the season, you actually fly to Anchorage and from Anchorage, you fly to Petroplavosk. So I always mispronounce that name. And then you've got one helicopter ride. So in the bigger scheme of things, it, it takes a little bit of time, but it's not terrible. But I know later season when they stop the Anchorage, uh, flight, they, you actually have to go through Moscow. Then it's a little bit of a longer trip, but I mean, you kind of again, I've I've made so I've made peace with with a with a twenty four to forty eight hour travel. Unfortunately, the thing what it does though is it adds a lot of extra time for people to be away from the office when they have to work and stuff. So that's the only negative about it. But the fishing when you travel that far to a place, for the most part, you know it's going to be the be- best of what you can ever fish for those specific target species. Um, so, so, so it's a, it's a definitely a very cool trip. Do you, uh, when you're out there, are you just set up, um, you know, traveling wise, can you just pretty much work, do your thing, whatever you have to do, computer stuff like anywhere or do you, or do you have a time where you go back to Texas and you, you do your work or are you just kind of always kind of working as you go, as you're traveling? So, so I usually, I mean, I used to have my out of office on so that I don't, uh, so I don't like leave, I, I try and not leave people hanging. Um, but, but usually with flights and in between traveling to those places is the time you can get the most work done because there's nothing really else you can do instead of watching. You can, you can also watch a movie and just kind of really shut down. But for the most of the time, I try and do as much work as I can before and after the trip, um, uh, sort of get all that work done so that I can really be relaxed when I'm ac- actually on the specific trip and just focus on the ge- guests and the fishing and, and all that stuff. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Because you're setting up still, like you said, you're still guiding. I mean, what percentage of the time is that, is that a good chunk of the time you're guiding in Texas and all that? At the, for the last sort of two, three years, it's taken up a big chunk. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with it. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. And what, what I always uh, say to a lot of people is that I love everything I do, but I think out of everything that I do, I still like the guiding the most. Like it's just really nice like now I've got a skiff, I'm pulling guys around and, and oh, wow. getting them into fish. It's really, uh, it's, it, uh, it's a good time. And, and a lot of the time I completely shut down. Like I'm, I, I said to my guests, usually when we finished with a day's fishing, I said, did you guys really think about anything else but fishing? And we're talking fishing sometimes like, you know, when you're a guide, you become a, 
a psychiatrist and a friend and a teacher and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's awesome because all you're doing is just trying to kind of focus on the moment and just disconnecting from the news and all that stuff. Nice. Well, and, and I just, you mentioned a couple other ones here and uh, it looks like I've probably got two Alaska and Canada, maybe they're the only two spots that I've got you covered on, you know, uh, that you haven't quite been to. What, what are you thinking about that? Um, you know, for Alaska, when you, when you think of Alaska, have you even thought about that much? Like, you know, what you want to do? Well, I've also heard that it's phenomenal trout fishing. And then um, I would love to try and see if I can catch some of those different uh, uh, salmon species there. Definitely a Chinook, a Chinook, I believe. That's the one that gets the biggest, right? That's the yeah. sort of the, yeah, the, the, king. the, the king. Yeah. Um, but again, for those species, I don't care really what size they are. I just like to, to catch a different, the different kind of the silvers and the, and all those, which which would be great. But also, like I said, I've heard that the trout fishing is phenomenal. Um, and Canada, I would really, really like to catch a steelhead. I know you can get them in other places too, but um, I've I, and I know I've, I'm going to have to put my time in because I know steelhead's not an easy fish to catch. But that's definitely uh, one that I would love to accomplish one day. That's right. Are you? Have you got into like the spay g- casting in that whole game yet? Done that anywhere? Yeah, I mean, I, I I love it when I can when I can when I can spay cast. I'm very happy. We did the majority of the of that in Norway. That's kind of where I learned the spay casting thing. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. and and I, the funny thing is, I haven't been able to do it at many other places. Again, uh, sort of swinging flies in that way. I did a little bit in Portland, um, where we got to fish a few day, uh, well, a, a day, um, which was fantastic. And uh, but I really enjoy that. It's it, the casting to me is is as much fun as, as really getting the fish and being out there, just trying to get the timing right and putting out a good cost is great. That's it. If somebody comes to you and they ask you, you know, they run into you at a, at a show and they're like, man, I want to go do some cool trip this year. Uh, where, where should I go? Where would you recommend if maybe we focus on, I guess you could think anywhere in the world, but what do you tell people? Do you ever get that question where people are like, well, where should we go? What's that next place? The thing is, is that, I mean, it comes up a lot and usually I, I it's very hard for me to not, you know, say to somebody to if whether or not it's maybe something you can afford now, but at some point, if you can save up to do the Seychelles, it, it's so it's so incredible. And I only realized that now um, I guided there for 13 years and now I realized how crazy good it is when you start comparing it to other places, which I don't really think you should ever do. But I just realized how phenomenal the fishery really is. Um, but when it comes to closer stuff like and that's what I sp- uh, spoke to Jim uh, a, a lot about is, is just people sometimes forget their, their, their stuff that's the closest, the, that's very close to them because you just kind of overlook them for these exotic, very exotic locations. Right. I, I'm just as excited about doing uh, any trip to Mexico as I am going to Australia or anything like that. So you definitely sort of, I, I would always, when, if, I've, if I was planning on, on booking a trip and all that stuff, um, firstly, obviously, you have to kind of look at your budget, what you can afford, or your and then your target species, um, and then see what you can do the closest. Like, look at the different. I mean, you can do. I mean, for for permit you or something like that, you can use these Belize. I mean, there's obviously places you can do it in the US too, but Mexico and and it's it, you can do a lot of affordable trips there. But then you can go and try and get an exotic permit. And you can go to Australia or the Seychelles where you get, or you can even go to Oman and catch the, the, those species permits. So, I mean, it's, it definitely boils down to sort of budget and what people want to target species wise. 
Yeah, and, and budget's good. And, and think about Mexico. Is there what what spot? I mean, I know there's d- different places you could go. What would you recommend would be a good spot? Say you got the middle of the range budget. You know, you're not going super high or super low. Yeah, I mean, all those places in Ascension Bay, like Punta Island, or you can do the Grand Grand, Grand Slam Lodge or the uh, Palometa Club or or any of those. They, there's actually a couple to choose from um, that all really really well priced and a lot of the times you the the accommodation the food is so fantastic you can almost not even imagine you get the, some of those trips at that price and um, this this uh Ishalak trip i i'm doing now i said to the guys it's so nice refreshing doing a trip like that where i can tell somebody the price of a trip and not kind of feel like Oof, maybe i'm going to put them off um just purely because of how expensive it is but um it, it's really nice to to sell trips that that's not kind of out of the reach of uh, a lot of a lot of people. But the funny thing is, is that we're starting to see even on the very exotic trips now. And I don't know if it's like uh, just a newer generation of people, but even the Seychelles and and um, and some of the more exotic locations that are a little bit spendy, um, starting to see younger people uh, getting into it. I mean, young for me in general would be anything from like, I mean, late thirties to early fifties. Um, maybe even like in the 60s, because usually the majority of our clients were a little bit older than that. Um, but right. Oh, right. Really? Yeah. There's definitely a generation of younger guys that are starting to do these trips now, and it's great because um, you know a lot of these trips are also a lot better if you a little bit and and you can be fit even if you're 80 years old. But um, that's one thing I always preach to anybody when they go on a trip is to just kind of see if they can be practice a little bit of casting and be physically fit because it'll add a hundred percent to your trip. Yeah, this is good. All right. That's a good, that's a good tip for sure. All right, Yaku. Well, I, you know, again, uh, you know, there's a lot we could uh, dig into and maybe we'll leave that for the next one. Um, give us a heads up next year. What, what do you have coming? Anything you want to give a shout out trips or anything coming up for you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've got, uh, um, I've got the Seychelles coming up and then I've got a trip to Mexico in April next year. Um, I've got a trip to Bolivia um, one ex- little exploratory trip I'm doing is with a friend of mine in Oman, uh, where we're going to try and get that fourth species of permit. And then, uh, I've got one back for those, uh, at Shingu for the, uh, Payara, um, and all those other species. Uh, so yeah, it, it's going to be good. And I'll, otherwise I'll be either at those places or just on the Texas coast guiding. There you go. There you go. And we can keep up with you. Is, uh, Instagram a good place to follow all the videos and everything you have going? Yeah, Instagram's perfect. I try and kind of keep it up to date as much as possible. Um, and it's just Captain Jack Productions. Um, and that's kind of where you can find it. I think even if you type in Yaku Lucas, then you'll probably find that uh, come up. Um, and that's kind of where I keep it up to date. But uh, yeah, if you shoot me a message there, I'll try and get to it at some point. If I'm traveling, I'll probably take me a little bit of time. Email, if I'm always open. Anybody wants to ask me any questions, can email me at any time at yaku at captainjackproductions.com. And uh, yeah, so so always happy to help in any way I can. There you go. Well, this has been great. I think we, uh, we've we got a number of spots and maybe we all will add to uh, Jim's uh, episode and I'll link out to that as well. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tally these up, but I'm, I'm sure we're out at 20 on this one. So this is good. It gives people a good, a good perspective on where, where, you know, we could be heading where you've headed. So if they have questions, I guess that's a cool thing, right? If somebody wants to dig in, they can just check in with you and maybe they could hook up with a hosted trip or just pick your brain on the trip, right? For sure. I'll be, I'll be happy to help whether it's a trip with me or somebody else. That's, that's what we are for. And, and hopefully we can make some dreams come true. 
here's one quick random one before we get out of here. So what else? So you have this. You're obviously an expert in what you do here, the traveling and, and all the fish species. What else are you a uh, expert in or, or other than this that's like random or anything else? You know, what, what would you say if somebody if I asked you that? That's a really good question because I feel like, jeez, uh, I... That's that's actually <laughs> that's. Are you so specific that you are just the you've narrowed it down to that you do one thing really well and that's kind of that's it. I, I I'm actually I'm stumped. I'm sure that there's some I've I've absolutely dedicated so much of my life that, to that stuff. I I I would have to say like I mean jeez I the the only other stuff that I spend a lot of time with is is either with my wife or the dogs at home and otherwise kind of get out and try and do a few things around around town and try and do some different stuff. That's the one thing that I also try and just, just, you know, because I realized very quickly, like life is short. So just try and do different stuff, but uh, definitely have to try and see maybe if I can get better at other stuff. I used to play a lot of sports at school, uh, rugby and cricket and all that stuff. Uh And even tennis, I played for quite a long time. And, well, well, here's one for you, Yaku. If you had, to, if you were going to go pro in another in a sport, like say you could just be whatever sport. What what sport would that be, or would that have been? It would have probably been actually cricket because I, I I was pretty good at that and I played at a pretty decent level. And uh, just because the format of the game is so long, like baseball, it took up so much time with the practice and actually doing the activity itself when you play a game or something like that. It just took days and hours um, of time, and when I fell in love with fishing so much, it kind of just immediately went on the back on the back burner. But I would definitely say cricket would have been the one, um, the one that I would would have tried to excel in. In cricket, and I'll put a video in for those people that don't know, because cricket's kind of has the it's got the wide the bat right the wide bat or it's kind of like a bat. That's it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it. it I, I know for a lot of people that follow the U.S., I'm, I've been actually trying to get into American football a little bit now, and I. Uh-huh. watch a couple of games and actually starting to understand it a bit better and i really enjoy it um, but i know a lot of people when they watch cricket for the first time like man i don't understand what the heck is going on here so i'm going to stop watching and i mean i can understand that because some of the games are either a whole day or we have even a format where you play five days of cricket to and then it can still be a draw so i think people think that's dumb but it's fun when you play it <laughs> yeah there you go there you go awesome all right, Yaku. Well, thanks again for taking the time today. This has been a lot of fun, and I will definitely uh, send everybody your way. You know, any trips. I always feel like, you know, when people have questions, the remote stuff, you're the first name that comes to my mind. So hopefully we'll direct some people your way and, and catch up with you soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes, all links, everything else we covered today, head over to wetflyswing.com slash 281, 281. We'll get you there. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash fly shop if you want to connect with uh, one of our uh, local fly shop sponsors today. Support our local shops and you support this podcast. I'm out of here for the day. I appreciate you for uh, listening and support uh, all along the way. And if you get a chance, please leave a quick review if you've been enjoying the show, if you haven't done so already. This helps us uh, share the podcast and help people understand some of the value here. So appreciate that in advance if you've done that or if you get a chance today. Uh, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash love. Love will get you there. That is that is always the answer. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. I really appreciate you and your support and hope to maybe see you online or maybe on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. 